I share with you in the past, as I was growing up, I was always a really good baseball player, made all-star teams, various things like that. But when I turned 15, all of a sudden I couldn't hit anymore. And it was so weird because it always been so easy and so natural, and now I just couldn't do it. We didn't figure out what the problem was until I went to get my driver's license. I failed the eye test. What had happened was over the period of a couple of months, my eyesight had gradually just deteriorated to the point that it wasn't really affecting my day-to-day life. But something like hitting a baseball, I wasn't able to do it all of a sudden. And so that's when I started wearing contacts. And it was amazing. As soon as I put contacts in, I'm able to hit the baseball again. And I hadn't realized it over the previous months, but I was missing out on a bunch of stuff. It was like this whole new world was open to me. Now, I bring all that up because today we're continuing our series called New Year's Revolution. And I want to talk to you about how sometimes our lives are the same as my eyesight that we've lost focus of what life is really all about. Things are just slightly blurry, and we don't even realize it. We're missing out on this whole world that God has for us. Now, as we, uh, as we talk about this today, I, I want you to, to get your focus where it needs to be. I, I, I want to get you living a 2020 life, so to speak. As we uh, do this, I want to take a look at the book of Philippians, chapter 4. In fact, if you've got a Bible, you want to turn there, Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. You can open up your uh, program there. You're going to find an outline, an insert that you can follow along with. If you need a Bible, by the way, just uh, make sure you stop out at the lobby, and we'll uh, be sure to give you one there for free. But as, as we look at this, we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul, and we started the series last week, and we talked about how a lot of people, like, if your life gets a little bit out of focus, you start to make resolutions, don't you? And you start vowing that I'm going to do this, or I'm going to stop doing that, but we talked about all the reasons that resolutions just simply don't work. And we looked at Philippians chapter 3 last week, and we found out that Paul had this statement of how he was going to live a, a New Year's revolution, And let me just review that for you. Philippians 3.10, Paul says this, I want to know Christ and experience the power that raised him from the dead. And what we talked about is that to have a revolution in your life, you've got to know Jesus. It's not about you just setting out a bunch of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to stop doing that and those types of things. That's not what it's about. Just get to know Jesus. We said stop, focus on him. And then all the other stuff that you want, it'll all start to come together for you. And I shared with you last week that it's amazing. You know, Paul's writing this, this book of great wisdom and great joy. In fact, as you read through the, the book of Philippians, only four chapters, you find more written about the topic of joy than you find in the rest of the New Testament combined. And I said that that's amazing because Paul was sitting in a prison cell He was waiting his execution as he writes these words, but yet he has such hope. And that's what I want for you as we begin this new year. So Philippians chapter four, verses four to six, we read this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Paul says, I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. See, here's another problem with resolutions. We begin with the wrong place. We think that in order for our life to change, we have to change our behaviors, right? Isn't that what resolutions are about? That I'm going to 
stop doing this. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to change this behavior. I'm going to start treating this person better. I'm going to start speaking better. I'm not going to use that type of language anymore. I'm not going to have these types of thoughts. anymore. It's all about our behaviors. But what the Bible makes very, very clear is this. Life change doesn't start with changing your behavior. It starts with changing your thinking. And when you change your thinking, then your behaviors will start to fall into place. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. That we've got to replace all of our behaviors with the right way of thinking. He says, replace your worry with prayer. Isn't that a resolution that some people make? Oh, I'm I'm not going to worry anymore this year. And we just go through life, go, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry. And we think it's all about behavior. But Paul's like, no, 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 you've got to change your thinking. Replace it with something even better. Replace it, in this case, with prayer. So again, we make all these resolutions in the year. I'm going to eat right, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to not watch certain things, I'm not going to listen to certain things, I'm going to treat people better. But again, the Bible makes it clear that the first step is changing your thinking. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those resolutions that people set. But again, you've got to change your thinking. That's where it all starts. It's not your behavior. It starts with your thinking. Every single bad thing that you do starts with something that you thought wrong. Now, you're going, Gilbert, no, 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 no. I've done plenty of bad things in my life before where I did it without thinking. And I regretted it because I later on was like, what was I thinking? Well, I wasn't thinking. And that was the problem. But what I want you to realize here this morning is simply this. Every bad thing that you do at some point started with a thought. Now, maybe you didn't think immediately and then do it. But at some point, that seed got in your mind. And that's what led to eventually you acting in a way that you didn't want to act. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, 22 and 23. You were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give up your old way of life with all of its bad habits. But he goes on, he says this, but let the Spirit change your way of thinking. Paul says when you change your thinking, then you're going to change your behaviors. He later says in Colossians 3, 2, keep your mind on things above, not on worldly things. In other words, if you have godly thoughts, you're going to have godly actions. If you have worldly thoughts, then you're going to have worldly actions. Again, your behaviors are manifested out of the thoughts that you originally had. So here's our big thought for the day. If my mind gets changed, then my life will change. Again, if my mind gets changed, then my life will change. When you replace your anxious thoughts with peaceful thoughts, when you replace your worry with prayer, when you replace negative thinking with positive thinking, then and only then are you going to notice change start to happen in your life. And so back in verse 6, Paul said what? He said, don't worry about anything. But do what? What did he say to do? Pray. Replace your worry with prayer. That's the types of things we're going to need to have a New Year's revolution. Change. Replace the type of thinking that we have. Paul says then in verse 7 that if you'll do that, if you'll replace your worry with prayer, he says then God's peace, which goes beyond anything that we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. Now, here's the truth of the matter. You've heard all this before, right? You've heard that don't have stinking thinking. You've heard things like, you know, what you think is what you'll become. 
You've heard that, right? I mean, you're sitting there shaking your head as I've been talking this morning. But why aren't we living it out? Well, it's because it's hard to live out, isn't it? So easy to get caught up in behaviors and not realize that, well, it's my thinking that needs to change, not just the behavior itself. See, what we've got to do is we've got to start making sure that the way that we think when we come together and we gather together in church is the same way that we're thinking when we're outside of these doors. Because don't we have a lot of godly thoughts when we're in here? Hopefully you do, right? <laughs> don't you wish you could have that same spirit and that same energy and the same thinking everywhere that you go, right? Don't you wish that you had the same thinking when you're in a group of people as you do when you're all alone? Isn't it true that when we just get alone in our thoughts that sometimes it starts to stray off in the places that we don't want it to go? See, what we need to find is the way to be consistent and how to be constant in our thinking. And that's tough to do. I'm going to be honest. That, that's really tough to do. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Is how do we go about doing that? How do we learn to control our thought life? Because who you are when nobody else is watching is the true barometer of how you're doing in your relationship with Jesus. The things that you think, the things that you do, when nobody else is around, that's who you truly are. And that's what we need to learn how to control. And so Paul says, look, to help you with your thought life, let me give you a couple filters to sort of run all your thoughts through. And so in verse 80 says this. And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely. Dwell on the fine, good things in others. Think about all that you can praise God for and then be glad about it. Now, as you start to really dig into the scripture, what you begin to notice is that this isn't Paul just making a suggestion. This is actually God giving us a command that we are to think about, to dwell, to consider, to ponder, to meditate on things that are good, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are admirable, things that are praiseworthy, things that you know we should honor and worship God in. And so what does this look like in real life? Well, what you do, Paul says, is just filter all your thoughts through this list. So as you're thinking about doing something or you're thinking about not doing something, should I do this, shouldn't I do that, and it's going through your mind, all you do is you say, okay, what I'm about to do here, is it good? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is this something that would honor God? Is this something that I can praise God for? What I'm saying is stop and before you act, Really think. Not just think that you're thinking, but really think. Don't just act an impulse. Take just a couple seconds to filter everything through this list. Good, pure, noble, true, honest, praiseworthy, admirable, lovely. Every single thought filter through. Here's a way to, to think about it and why it's so important. Who you'll be a week from now and a month from now and a year from now is largely dependent on what you're focusing on right now, what you're thinking about right now. And by right now, I don't mean literally right now. 
but I mean every single day. The decisions that you make are based off of your thinking. And so we've got to have better thinking. So take just a little while to think about the things that you're doing. Here's another way to think about it. Imagine that Jesus decided that I'm going to move in and be your new roommate. And so he moves into your house, he moves into your apartment. What do you think Jesus would think about the shows that you have DVR'd? About the magazines that you have laying around? What would Jesus think about the music that you're listening to? What would he think as he goes through your internet search history? History. What, what would he think as he saw the, the things that you post on Facebook? If he was living there with you, you'd be a little more cautious, wouldn't you? In fact, some of you would say, you know, if I'm honest, a couple of things I'd probably be embarrassed about having Jesus living right there with me. But here's what we need to realize this morning. As followers of Jesus, he doesn't need to move in. He already has moved in. If you're a follower of Jesus, Scripture makes it clear that Jesus sends His Spirit to come and live inside of you. He's already there. He already sees everything that you're doing. And here's the thing, not only does He see what you're doing, but He knows your thoughts. And so we've got to transform our thoughts. We've got to renew our thoughts. Here's the thing with Jesus. He doesn't want to just be a resident in your life. He wants to be the president of your life. He wants to be in control. He wants to be in charge. Not because he's like this glory hog and he wants it all for himself. He wants it because he knows better for your life than what you do. But here's what we do so often. We live our lives like we're God and he's not. And see, that's what gets us in trouble. That's the first bad thought that we have. That I know better than what God knows for my life. And so as we start to to take our thoughts captive, as Scripture says, and and we start to transform them into godly thoughts, then again we have more godly actions and we're able to have Jesus in our lives and not be embarrassed about anything that's going on. So again, this all goes back to our thinking. Long before our actions outwardly reveal where we really stand, it's all manifested in our minds. So that's why it's important that we rid our minds of all the junk that's in it. I've already mentioned that that's easier said than done, isn't it? It's much easier said than done to get rid of all the junk that's in your mind. Here's a way to think about it. Have you ever tried to get rid of a garbage can? Think about that. How hard is it to get rid of a garbage can? It's hard. How do you get rid of a garbage can? There was a comedian, he actually talked about this the other year. He said he tried to do that very thing. He had this old metal garbage can that was all rusted and everything. And he's like, well, I'm done with this and, you know, broken handle and various things. So he set it out by the curb. Comes out the next morning, it's still there. They didn't take it. He's like, I thought it was pretty obvious that they should have taken it. So he's like, the next week he turned it upside down. He's like, this is pretty obvious that it doesn't have any trash in it. I didn't accidentally just put it out here. So hopefully they'll take it away. He goes out the next morning. It's still there. So then he had a bright idea. He's like, all right, I'll make it so obvious that they'll definitely take this thing away. So he took a sledgehammer, this metal trash can. He puts all kinds of dents in it and everything. So, again, it's old. It's rusted. The broken handles, it's dented and everything. He sets it out by the curb. He goes out the next morning. 
it's still there, and they had taken a sledgehammer, and they had taken all the dents and knocked it back out for them. So he said, in my neighborhood, I did the only thing I knew that I could do. I went to the hardware store. I got a chain. I got a padlock. I padlocked it out onto a tree in my front yard. He said, sure enough, the next morning it was stolen. (laughs) But as much as he had trouble getting rid of the trash can, that's how our lives are, right? It comes to our thought life. It's just hard to get rid of the various things that we have going on in our minds. And so that's why I, I think that what all of us need to do is to, to have a plan for how we're going to uh, accomplish all this. How are we going to get rid of all the stuff that's going on? Well, one of the things that we can do is literally in our own lives have what could be considered a garbage can. In fact, I brought one for you here today. You need one of these. What, what do we do? If I came to your house, why, why do you have one of these? What do you put into this? Trash. What good is trash? It's not any good, right? It, it's stuff that it, it, it's old, it's broken, and, and you, you throw it into the trash can because it's irredeemable. It's useless. It's, it's worthless. And what happens if you leave trash to sort of sit around? It starts to stink. And so what do you do? Once a week, you take your trash can, you take it out to the curb, you set it there, and magically, the next morning, you go out and it's empty. Why? Because somebody has come along and they've emptied it and taken your trash to a place that you'll never, ever see it again. So you need a, a trash can in your life. Now, if... I came to your house, I'd also find probably one of these things. What's this? Recycle bin. What do we do with these? We put in things that are trash in some ways. We're done with it, but yet it still could have a purpose. It just needs to be reconfigured into a a different shape or into something else. I actually looked it up and... There's some pretty cool things that they do with uh, recycling. Did you know that like when you put aluminum cans in your recycle bin and they take it away, that it only takes 30 days for them to take that can, get it to the recycle plant, melt it down, refashion it, usually into more aluminum cans, refill it, and then it's back out on the shelves. Only a 30-day process. That's pretty cool. Plastic bottles. Many of you drink things. You know, Here's my you know, plastic bottle. You, you throw it in there. What do they do with plastic bottles? More plastic bottles. And then here's some, some really fascinating things. They can make fabric out of this. It's pretty cool. They make patio furniture out of these. And did you know that just five two-liter bottles is enough plastic to make all the polyester that you need for one square yard of carpet? It's pretty cool. Of course, there's glass things that we throw into the recycle bin, and they make other glass types of things out of it. Uh, Little juice boxes, the cardboard juice boxes or the cardboard milk containers, mostly that gets thrown in, and then it gets uh, shredded up and made into tissue paper. That's the, the main recyclable thing that comes out of it. So what I'm trying to get you to see is that things that get recycled have a new purpose. They have a new use to it. 
And what I'm trying to get you to see is that we need to have the same type of thing for our minds. You need to have a, a trash bin for your mind because there's some things in your mind that's irredeemable. It's useless. It's garbage. It shouldn't be there. But then there are some things in your mind that, well, it just isn't the best that it could be right now, and so it needs to go into the recycle bin. Be reconfigured, made into something a little bit better. Paul actually talks about this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when he says, Dear friends, God is good, and so I beg you to offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. That's the most sensible way to serve God. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way that you think. And then you'll know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. Now, I want you to notice that there's two people involved in this process. First is you. It says that you have to offer your body. You have to offer your mind as a living sacrifice. But then if you'll do that, then what does God do? He comes in and he does the recycling. He'll change you. He'll transform you. This particular version, it said that he'll change the way that you think. A lot of versions say that he'll, he'll transform the way that you think. That original Greek word there is metamorpho, which is where we get our English word metamorphosis. Now, we're familiar with metamorphosis because of caterpillars turning into butterflies, right? Now, I want you to think about that whole process. The caterpillar just has to make himself available, basically. <laughs> you know, it's basically God that's going to do the miracle transformation here. And so the, the caterpillar, he doesn't do anything himself. And all of a sudden he goes from this ugly little thing into a very beautiful thing. Our lives are the same way, except here's the difference. We have a choice. If we'll offer our lives to God and say, God, change me, transform me, renew me, take me, God, to the recycle plant, God will do that very thing for you. You can't do it. That's why resolutions aren't any good. You could never, ever do everything that you want on your New Year's resolution. That's why you need a revolution. You need a, a transformation. And that's something that only God can do for you. We've got to change our mind. We've got to change our thinking. It's our choice. Now, just because it's your choice doesn't mean that now you can just choose that and then sit lazily on the couch going, okay, God, here I am, change me. You're still going to have to exercise. You're still going to have to eat right. You're still going to have to put filters on your Internet. You're still going to have to cut up the credit cards. There's still things that you have to do. It's... Again, you're saying, God, I'm going to do my little part. I'm going to do my 1%. And then, God, you're going to do the 99%. You're going to do the miracle part of it now for me. And so, again, we, we just need to, to stop, focus on God, focus on our thoughts, take those thoughts captive, run everything through a filter, and then allow God to come in and do the transformation part. Really what we need to do is get to the root of why do we think the way that we think? Why do you do the things that you do? What's the motivation behind it? 
Because if you can get to that, if you can really focus on that, then it'll change your mind and eventually it'll change your life. And so my question to you this morning is this. What are some things that even sitting there right now, you know are bad thoughts that, that need to go into the trash can? That there, there's just some things irredeemable. It stinks. It's, it's rotten. It's no good. What are those things in your life? You know, for me, I remember back when I first became a a follower of Jesus back in uh, July of 1993. Immediately, Jesus started doing some some cool things in my life and make some changes. But I was still listening to the same radio stations and various things like that. And in the afternoons, I would listen to this show. It was sort of local in the community I was at. It's called the Don and Mike Show. And... If you've never heard of it before, it'd be something similar like to a Howard Stern. So shock jock type of thing, very rude, very crude uh, type of thing. And so what I began to notice was, wait a second, listening to this, this isn't helping me become more like Jesus at all. I mean, all it is is just polluting my mind. And the old saying is true, garbage in, garbage out. And so I made the decision that I'm just going to stop listening to this. And you know what? It was amazing. Almost immediately... Just the changes that started happening as I didn't have all this junk that I just kept putting into my mind over and over and over again. And so, uh, again, I ask you, what is it that has to go in the trash can for you? What would that look like? What are the things that need to go there? Unfortunately, for some of you, one of the things that may need to go into the recycle bin, or not the recycle, the uh, trash can, is some of your friendships. Now, that doesn't mean that those people are bad. It doesn't mean that, you know, God doesn't love those people. It means that for you, they're not a good influence. They're just polluting your mind. You never come out of times with them where you feel closer to God. You're going, yeah, but Gilbert, I'm trying to witness to them. You know, I'm trying to bring them to Jesus. Well, there's some people that you probably legitimately are, but there are some people that you're like, okay, every single time that I'm with them, they are a worse influence on me than I'm being a good influence on them. And you're just fooling yourself if you think that you're bringing them up because the reality is they're bringing you down. And so again, it doesn't mean that they're bad people or anything. It means that for you, they're a bad person. They need to end up in the trash can. Don't actually put somebody in the trash Hey, I'm putting you in the trash can. All right. We've talked about before. How do, you, how do you disassociate with people? If you need help with that, let me know. I'll uh, direct you to the right messages to go back and, and listen to that. Then there's some things that, that need to go into the recycle bin in your life. What are the thoughts that you have that are there? You know, there's some changes that many of you would like to make and they just can't go into the trash. You know, maybe it has like, to do with eating, you know, you want to eat better, you want to eat healthier, you want to exercise, whatever. Well, you can't just say, well, I'm just throwing all eating into the trash. No, that's something that you got to take that thought and you, you, you got to put it in a recycle bin. you got to say, okay, what am I going to do to change my thinking when it comes to exercise and health and nutrition? Because, again, every action that we have starts with something in our mind. Or think about spending. 
some of you overspend. And you get that credit card bill and you regret it every month. It's like, oh man, I did it again. I, I overspend. But what you need to understand is that there's something in your thinking that, that causes you to go out and, and purchase things that you really can't afford. There's some high that you're getting off of that. And you need to understand what is that? Why do I do that? Because until you get to the point where the regret that you have is greater than the high that you get, then you're just going to keep making these New Year's resolutions that, oh, I'm going to do better with money this year. No, you're not. It's not just about making a resolution. You've got to change your thinking when it comes to money, when it comes to spending. And so, again, there's a lot of things in our lives that are necessities. There are things that we have to do, but we've got to take that thinking and, and put it in the recycle bin and get it renewed and transformed and reconfigured into something else. You know, one of the examples for me was when Lisa and I started my second business, we were really trying to get it going, and, and we had set some goals, and almost immediately we met our goals. And so we went back and we set some even higher goals. But with that particular set of goals, we just, like, we couldn't quite get there. We just slightly below all the time. And it was, I don't know, a year, 14 months, 16 months that we just couldn't quite get there. And I was so frustrated, and I was like, well, we just don't have enough hours in the day to, to get it done. And then God convicted me one day as I was watching SportsCenter for the third time that day. The exact same episode, by the way. Which, by the way, Stuart Scott just died uh, this past week. And he, he was the one that, he was so cool. He was just, you know, the, all these catchphrases and stuff. And if you missed something back then, you know, I'm old enough that we didn't have DVRs back then. You had to watch it again at the next hour to re-catch it. <clears throat> and so I, I noticed that I was kept watching TV, and I wasn't getting my goals accomplished. And so Lisa and I talked about it, and for two years, we had called, and we had the cable bill, or we had the cable just shut off. We said, we've got to reconfigure our thinking when it comes to TV, because it's keeping us from being all that God wants us to be and doing all the things that God wants us to do. And guess what? Shortly after we called and had it cut off, we met our goals. The rest, as they say, is, is history with it. And eventually we we're able to say, all right, how can we bring TV back into our life, but reconfigured, recycled, so that it doesn't take us to the same places that it took us before? Again, that's just my example, but what about for you? What are the things that you need to rethink and recycle in your life? So take some time this week to think through the, the trash and think through the, what you're going to recycle let me warn you with something. As you seriously start to contemplate this and you're praying about it, not only is God going to start speaking to you, but guess who else is going to start speaking to you? Satan. Scripture says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. See, Satan knows everything that's in your trash pile. He knows what's there. He likes to go through it and he likes to throw that trash back in your face. In fact, we may even say that Satan is a good trash talker, right? He knows how to talk all the stuff that you regret, all the stuff that you wish wasn't there any longer. But I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it over and over and over again to the day that I die. Listen to me carefully. If you don't get anything else out of today's message, get this. You are not who Satan says that you are. You are who Jesus says that you are. 
Stop listening to those lies that the devil tells you. Stop listening about all the trash that you've done in the past that he tries to keep throwing back at you. You are not who Satan says you are. You are who God says that you are. And who does God say that you are? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read this. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten, and everything is new. See, that's the good news of what Christianity is all about, is that Jesus, he is your trash man. You can take all of your sin, you can take all of your trash, you can take all your junk and give it to Jesus, and Jesus is the one that comes, and he takes your trash, and he takes it to a place where you'll never ever see it again. Scripture says he's taken your sin and he's separated as far as the east is from the west. That he's taken your sin and he's buried it in the deepest parts of the ocean. The same way that you don't see your trash from home anymore, there's no reason you should ever have that sin convict you again. Because once Jesus takes it, he covers it with his blood. And you're forgiven. But not only is Jesus the trash man, Jesus is also the recycle man too. Because when you give him your trash and then you give him your body, he will give you back a brand new body, a brand new life, a brand new mind that's been transformed. So we sang earlier, he will make beautiful things out of you. He'll make beautiful things out of me as well. So I don't know what you came in here today dealing with, what you may have dealt with in the past. But give your trash to Jesus this morning. And give your body to him. And just like that caterpillar turning into a beautiful butterfly, that's what he'll do for your life. He'll make you brand new. I'll close with this. It's my prayer for you here this morning. It's Paul's words in Philippians 4.9. He says, keep putting into practice all that you've learned from me and saw me doing. And may the God of peace be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your word that just allows us to know that we aren't who Satan says that we are, but God, we are who you say that we are. We are forgiven. We are free. We are brand new. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that as we contemplate what are the the things that we need to take captive in our minds and in our thoughts that, Lord, you would help us to realize what goes in that trash pile and what needs to go in the recycle bin. And that, Lord, as we do that, we would have your sense of peace, just as Paul talked about, a peace which surpasses all understanding. Lord, help us to realize that your word says that if we confess our sins to you, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. That's your promise, God. We know that your word says that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Lord, help us to cast all of our sin onto you. Thank you, Jesus, that you take that sin. You separate it as far as the east is from the west. And thank you that you don't just stop there, but then you give us back a a brand new body, a brand new life that's in focus, that's full of meaning, that's full of purpose, that's full of hope. 
Help us to walk in that reality. Help us fly as the butterfly, not just crawl on our bellies like the caterpillar. That's not who we are anymore. The old is gone. The new has come. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for giving us the brand new life. Now help us to take that life and use it in a way that will glorify your name. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.